Warning! The episode you are about to listen to most likely contains graphic language, details of violence and murder, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of Murder With My Mother, the true crime podcast where I talk murder with my mother. And here I am, the mother half. There she is, right beside me. (laughs) In our baller studio, just coming to you for our 20th episode. I cannot believe it. I haven't said that for a while. I can't (laughs) fucking believe it's episode 20. Two zero. It's a big number. It is. And you know what? I think it's a good week to do this case. It's a good good timing for this case that we picked today. Um, Before we get into the case... I kind of want to talk about, you know, just some stuff that's going on around here. Um, Our restrictions are calming down. Yes, stuff has really changed in the last two weeks, actually, because two weeks ago we had a pretty crazy high amount of numbers for COVID. And the restrictions were don't go anywhere, don't travel, no indoor dining. Which was horrible. And then we just got a restart plan announced to us this week. And the numbers have gone down to, I think today was the first I heard, under 200. Yeah, which is the first October. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. And now 70% of our province is vaccinated. It's on the, I'm not, (laughs) but but everyone else around me is, which is great. And I'm thinking about it, you know, more and more. Just, yeah. yeah, I mean, when the timing's right, the timing's right, you'll know. Yeah, I'll see if I you knew. guys grow any arms or extra legs or whatever. And extra then... assholes. <laughs> well, that, is that a bonus or is that a negative? Cause... Uh, I say it could be either one. <laughs> Depends on how you look at it. Oh, yeah, there's been some crazy stuff <laughs> going on. Um, on a really non funny note it's very serious there was just a horrible discovery made at a residential school in Kamloops that I really wanted to talk about of 215 babies so kids ranging in ages from three to I don't really know because they haven't been super open with all of the information but you know this is a podcast where we talk about murder and uh, this for sure was murder because there's no way that 215 babies children anyone die of natural causes like that at one school well these residential schools as most of you know but some of you may not uh was where the indigenous children were taken away from their parents and obviously at a very young age due to colonization by the white folk yeah they were trying to assimilate them to basically western Western culture, which is like stupid motherfuckers. Like they were here before us. Like and, and predominantly it was the Catholic Church that ran these schools and the children suffered such atrocities. It was genocide and it was terrible and Uh, I've seen on social media this week people coming forward, Indigenous people coming forward, and uh, naming their abusers. And although it's so horrible, it should have been done such a long time ago, we should have recognized the atrocities that were being committed um, when they were being committed. Yeah, and I mean, now that this is happening and it's starting to come out, I feel sad because I'm not surprised because I did know a lot about residential schools. I'm not surprised that they found this mass grave. I think that if they search, horrible to say, but if they search the rest of the residential schools or where they used to be located, I think they're going to find a lot more of these, which is really sad. But I feel that we live in the age of transparency 
are... It's starting. It's definitely yeah. beginning, and hopefully it continues. But I also feel like the shame that's connected to that of, you know, the people that were involved, the government, all that stuff, I feel like that... I hope it doesn't stop them from from actually going forward and finding, you know, making more discoveries like this and allowing the healing process to begin and the reconciliation and really coming forward with something better than fucking here's a card to get cheap taxes. Like, fuck yeah. that. Like, that's no. That's... And, you know, like the fact that there were 215 children buried you don't think there was a lot more people than that that knew they were there? Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, one person didn't go and bury them all there. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm sure it's just the beginning of the beginning. Exactly. So we will keep you guys posted on anything we hear about that. Um, you know, it's horrible discovery. And another horrible discovery uh, was the case we kind of briefly touched on last time, the case of Trina Hunt, where... Um, you know, we kind of went into detail, but today there was a press conference with the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team where they announced that Trina's family has now put up a $50,000 reward in exchange for any information that leads to the arrest of Trina's killer, <coughs> Ian or Ian or whatever, her husband. So, I mean, obviously they're not saying that and they're keeping a lot of holdback evidence, which I noticed in the press conference. Yeah, he wouldn't really answer anything, which is good. I mean, people are going crazy on social media. There's so much speculation. Everyone's saying like, oh, this is happening, that's happening, because there's a lot of curious onlookers. But I truly do have faith that they do have some, at least some good starts to a lot of evidence because they uh, said today that they were making some pretty good progress. So hopefully it won't be years like we've seen happen in the past. We would really like to see justice for Trina soon and give her family some relief. And I mean, she has really spoken to a lot of the community. It seems she's you know, every, a lot of people were really drawn to this case, and I hope that everyone gets some closure soon and that the person responsible for perpetrating her homicide goes down because that's what deserves to happen to him. Yeah, I totally agree. So with that being said, I actually, because I got to choose the case for episode 20, which yeah. is today, I actually kind of am oddly reminded of the Trina Hunt case by the case that we chose today. So the case we chose today is the murder of Lacey Peterson that happened in 2002 in Modesto, California. She was also eight months pregnant. So, so and her husband was found guilty and was sentenced to death. So with that, we will jump right into the case. Enough of you guys listening to us ramble so you guys can hear us ramble about other shit for an hour. <laughs> Some so, factual case study shit exactly. instead. So, hope you guys enjoy this episode. It was 5.47 on Christmas Eve of 2002 in Modesto, California, when the police department received a call about a missing 27-year-old woman who was also eight months pregnant. Her name was Lacey Peterson. Is that where she's going? 
Lacey's husband, Scott, had returned from a Christmas Eve fishing trip that he took into the Berkeley area of the San Francisco Bay. He called the house and her cell, but when he received no answer, he left her a voicemail. Did you also notice that her stepfather said on the call to the police that he had gone golfing? The That Scott had? Yeah. He was supposed to go golfing that day, but then he switched his plans last minute to go fishing on Christmas Eve when your wife is eight months pregnant. I'm so. pretty sure his, his story changed a couple times. So. Yeah. So let's play the voicemail that he left. And you know what? This gives me Jody Arias vibes because we all know when you listen to the uh, voicemail that Jody Arias left uh, out Trash. Travis that obviously you guys will know what we're talking about. Hold on. Hey, beautiful. I just left a message at home. Uh, 2.15. I live in Berkeley. I won't be able to get to Villa Farms to get that basket for Papa. I was hoping you would get this message and uh, go on out there. I'll see you in a bit. Sweetie. Love you. Bye. Ugh. Fake motherfucker. See, and that's the thing. So the night before Lacey went missing, uh, Lacey's sister cut Scott's hair and asked them if they could get like a fruit basket or something for one of the relatives for Christmas because it was Christmas. So the fact that he just took off and went fishing is really strange to me. Yeah, like why wouldn't you stick around with your heavily pregnant wife and help her out with some of the Christmas stuff? And like, oh, hey, can you go get this for me? <laughs> or like, you know, just... I don't know. He said that when he left the house in the morning, they watched Martha Stewart together and they uh, did all that. And she said she was going to go walk the dog and do all this other stuff. So around 4.30, he returned to his warehouse that he worked out of. And he also stored his aluminum boat there, the one that he took fishing. So according to Scott, when he returned home, he did some laundry. Wow. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a man does laundry right as soon as they get in the door. I don't even do laundry as soon as I get Jody Arias also did laundry. Yeah, which, okay, let's see if the suspicion points to that. If you ever kill someone, don't do don't laundry. Don't do laundry. So he had a shower and he ate some pizza. To his concern, though, he noticed all of his wife's possessions were still at the house, including her purse, keys, cell phone, and her vehicle. He also found the dog Mackenzie in the yard with just his leash attached. So when he did more investigating, a neighbor said that she had placed him in there earlier in the morning when she had seen Mackenzie, like, basically walking himself with just a leash attached. So he called her parents to check, and they said that they had not heard from Lacey. So because this was really out of character for her, and she was so far along in her pregnancy, it kind of made everybody pretty worried right away. It's so crazy that another common thread is, like, do you ever really leave the house without your stuff? No. That's I don't I either. Mean. No. And to come home, I mean, this is the same thing that's going on right now with, with the Trina Hunt case. Yeah. So all of your stuff is at home and your husband's just going to look at your stuff and be like, oh my God, my wife's missing. We should call all yeah. the authorities. <laughs> okay. You don't, you know, like rule it out. Like maybe they should be smarter. I mean, I'm not trying to propagate a murder here, but 
you know, it's definitely, there are a lot of common threads when people are planning stuff. I think they just forget. Some. Well, and this is the thing. I'm sorry. If you're married to someone and they go missing, like, do you just think that people are just going to be like, well, anyway, let's wash our hands of this and yeah. continue on. Like, no, people are obviously going to look at you, especially if your wife is fucking eight months pregnant. Well, and they're definitely going to look for her because yeah. she's eight months pregnant. Like, I heard an interview with her parents that said, yeah, like, we just figured maybe she could have gone to the park and, like, gone into labor accidentally mm -hmm. or was in the hospital or, yeah. you know, that's a pretty time-sensitive matter. Well, and that's why they were so worried about her, right? Because yeah. of how far along she was in, your, in the pregnancy. So when you decide to kill your eight-month pregnant wife or anyone you're married to, your regular wife that's not pregnant... You really don't think that people are going to notice that they're gone? Yeah. So that night of the 24th, police looked around the house and they saw no visible signs of a struggle. They interviewed Lacey's family, including Scott. And like most partners, when something has happened to your significant other, they usually do that to rule you out as a suspect. And right away, most husbands or partners are willing to do anything. Yeah. And they always look at the closest people first. That's yeah. the rule of thumb. Of course. So he was questioned by Detective Albrocini, and he asked Scott all the usual questions, like the events that led up to Lacey's disappearance, and as well as, like, you know, how their marriage was doing, the integrity of their marriage. Scott told Detective Rocini that all was well in their marriage, and there were no obvious reasons why Lacey would up and leave. So, despite Scott's cool and collected manner, again, I, and I always want to stress this, you never know how you're going to react. No, We've said that before, we don't know. Right? Like... You don't know if someone goes missing, if you're just in total shock, if you really had nothing to do with it. My number one thing would be you're probably going to be a wreck. You're going to be a ball of, you know, like if, if my boyfriend was missing, I would be doing everything in my power. I would be out there. I would be scouring the, you know, like everything in my power to bring him home, bring him back. Right. But obviously the way that Scott was behaving made a, made people suspicious. And the number one person it made suspicious was the detective. So that wouldn't be the only person, like I said, that uh, would suspect that Scott had something to do with uh, his wife and soon-to-be mother of his child's disappearance. Lacey Denise Rocha was born on May the 4th, 1975 to high school sweethearts Sharon and Dennis Rocha. She had one full brother named Brent, and her father later had a sister, also a half-sister. Yeah. Her parents owned a dairy farm outside of Escalon, yeah. California. So when she was still young, her parents divorced, and her mother moved her and Brent to Modesto, um, and they still went to see their father on the farm over the weekends where... They grew up helping on the farm. Lacey would take a major interest in the gardening aspect. Yeah, and she would help her mother garden, which is makes sense because later on in life she goes into like decorative, yeah, yeah, decorative gardening basically. So her mother went on to remarry Ron Gransky, who's who you hear in the call. And Lacey was only two when they when they married, so he had a really big hand in helping raise her. Yeah, he seemed like I mean through all the media coverage and stuff, he was definitely very, very present mm -hmm. and active. Lacey was a cheerleader in high school and popular amongst anybody that knew her. She always had a big smile on her face and that can be seen in any, pretty much any photo you see of her. Yeah. She's got this big, All teeth. bright, yeah, teethy smile. She just, Dimples. Yeah, like super, super cute. She's dark yeah. haired. She's half Portuguese, half Caucasian. And she just has like those features that just shine. Like yeah, she's just she's a beautiful. very happy, happy woman. 
and apparently girl and teenager and you know so she, I think the only thing that really happened to her when she was young was her parents divorced and she was so young so when young, that happened yeah. and like we like to say I mean so that's most of the time for the better so yeah she graduated from Thomas Downey Junior High School and went on to major in ornamental horticulture at California Polytechnic State University which I googled ornamental horticulture and that's basically like the decorative gardening that you see so displays and stuff like at Disneyland you know those like the ones shrubbery. that are kind of, yeah shrubbery there you go when she attended university she had a friend that worked in a cafe nearby and her friend introduced her to Scott Peterson who Lacey instantly took an interest to and the feelings were mutual for their first date Scott took Lacey on a deep sea fishing trip and it didn't go as planned because Lacey became very seasick the couple dated for two years and eventually moved in with each other. Scott wanted to be a professional golfer, but he focused on his senior year of university and going down a more business-oriented path. On August 9, 1997, the couple married. And unbeknownst to Lacey, however, at first, apparently it didn't take long for Scott to become unfaithful, and it didn't take long for Lacey to find out and become aware that he was unfaithful. He should have been a professional golfer. Yeah, fuck the Tiger Woods screaming at me right now. DW. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> After Scott graduated with his Bachelor of Science degree in horticulture in 1998, the couple purchased a sports bar called The Shack, and it was a popular hotspot among locals in the charming and scenic town of San Luis Obispo, which is about 370 kilometers south of San Francisco. In 2000, they sold the shack and they made actually quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. And it they were able, yeah, they were able to purchase a beautiful three-bedroom home in Lacey's hometown of Modesto. So she took up substitute teaching part time, which can you just do that with a horticulture with like a you can. Just... Uh, Auntie Catherine was substitute teaching in Port McNeil, and she didn't oh. have anything. Okay, well, <laughs> there you go. I guess if they're desperate. But... Yeah. Um, but according to friends and family, she loved hosting and she loved just taking care of her home and having people over and taking care of her husband. And she really prided herself on being like a good housewife. Their house was super cute too. Like, yeah. Pictures of it. It's it like a little bungalow, cute, right? Yeah. Scott worked for a fertilizer company and brought home a nice salary, allowing them to live a pretty comfortable life. And her, I mean, substitute teaching, you can probably do that a couple times a week. But I don't think in the States that I could be wrong, but I don't think they make a lot of money teaching so it was probably just something for her to do as he kind of brought home the bacon so to speak well the cost of living's less there too and then their life was pretty picture perfect yeah and even more picture perfect in early 2002 Lacey and scott announced that they would be welcoming their first child a boy that they planned on naming connor Mom, you got a dog. A big dog, too. I do. He's pretty big. He's over 100 pounds. Do you ever take him anywhere and get, like, super stinky and, like... <laughs> Every single at least second day. Well, good. I'm glad I'm not alone that my dog likes to roll in the stinkiest stuff at the park. So, for those long, stinky car rides home, I just started using Fursense Dog Dry Shampoo. I also started using it, and it's awesome. It's a lifesaver. So, it is. First Sense. They're on Instagram, Facebook, and go to www.firstsense.ca. On December 26, two days after Lacey went missing, the tight-knit community of Modesto came together to search for her and put up posters and search with dogs and enlarged search groups. I heard, like, 
800 to 1,000 people showed up in the first couple days. Yeah, and it was kind of sad because obviously, I mean, okay, it's around Christmas. It's on Christmas. Yeah. It's a, a pregnant woman that's missing, but a lot of people, there was a lot of backlash saying it was like white missing woman syndrome that like if that had been a black woman or a Hispanic woman, that it wouldn't have, that people wouldn't have helped. Like there's a big thing about that. That was the time that social awareness was kind of changing also. I mean, there was a lot of people becoming more aware that there was such a thing as people being more interested when it was someone of community and racial difference, you know? Yeah, but I mean, but I it just, was I taking kind of just, away from yeah. the fact that there was an actual, just a human missing. Like yeah, on should... Christmas, it's pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, that's the part that I think is really what drew the community together because, okay, yeah, it's for me and people that are regular, not fucking racists. Yeah. And you, you know, like <laughs> anyone going missing. And, and no, you know, like yeah. anyone that's normal and a person goes missing, it doesn't matter what, what skin color, you know, you yeah. see that all the time of the systemic racism. You see it in hospitals and police and all that stuff but i feel like this one was just kind of it was christmas and a fucking pregnant lady's missing like you know yeah well and she was half portuguese exactly so on the same day uh police actually executed a search warrant of the peterson home as this was obviously a way to help find evidence to see if anything had happened in the home it was also a way to gauge scott peterson's behavior because the first time they asked scott did not give them permission to initially search the home which like for us shady motherfucker right that there. is what we like to call on murder with my mother a neon fucking flag not even a red flag a neon flag yeah like my wife is missing but you cannot search my house no <laughs> like i don't know so, so i, I mean, don't think it was very hard for them to get a search warrant no and so on december 27th that's when Lacey's case really began to grab nationwide attention because I think they give it, you know, a couple days. A well, woman's missing. Wrapped up in Christmas. Exactly. A woman's missing. They obviously just expect that she's going to come home, right? Something's going to happen. But two days and you're pregnant, no one's heard from you. I think that's when it really becomes. And everyone's done opening their present. Yeah, exactly. Selfish fucks. Yeah. <laughs> so. She was on every major news show, including one of our faves, where Nancy Grace, who's one of our faves, <laughs> was quoted as saying that Scott Peterson rubbed her the wrong way. So Love Nancy Grace. Love Nancy. The family pleaded for her safe return in a press conference, and at that time, the family completely trusted and backed Scott 100%, saying that he could and would never have had anything to do with Lacey going missing. So to everyone around the Petersons, they had a perfect marriage and they were about to become the perfect family as they were months away, not even a month and a half away from welcoming Connor in February. But as we know, not everything is always as it seems. So tips were pouring in and there were even reports of a burglary that happened on the same day that Lacey went missing. Right across the street. Yeah. Like on her, which is like... a which is a pretty major thing. But yeah. it was checked out and it was later determined to be on a later date and the that people were apprehended and they were like, No man, like we did rob the house, but we yeah. never we never yeah. kidnapped no pregnant lady. Yeah. So the family offered up a $25,000 reward for any information. And I think like also in the Trina Hunt case, I think that is what they're hoping for is it brings people Yeah, people, out, some people right? are motivated by cash. Yeah, like which it, 
will tip their conscience. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, those people are pieces of shit and you'd think you would just come out from the goodness of your heart. But with that extra little push, then it's never. And you got to do what you got to do. I mean, in that instance, you have to figure it out. So if you have to offer money, you have to offer money. On December 31st, which is such a sad day because, you know, this should be so happy. It should be, I'm home. It's my last New Year's before becoming yeah, a mother. Baby and, moon. Yeah, exactly. And so. Not your murder moon. No. And so in a park that was really close to the Peterson home, the community held a candlelight vigil for Lacey. Scott was there, but as his usual behavior had been fucking weird anyway, they he made sure he always stayed clear of cameras and press and interviews. And he didn't even speak. Which, again, you know, you could attribute to, oh, he's in, he's mourning, he's grieving, you know, all this stuff. But he was seen, like, smiling and laughing, and it was said he was flirting with volunteers at the, at the volunteer play. You know, like, he was just a dirty dog, like, and I don't think it was hard for anyone around him to see that. Well, and once the information came out about stuff he was actually doing in the days following the disappearance, mm. which we'll get to later, it was, yeah, he's pretty much not a piece in of mourning. Shit. yeah. So on January 2nd, police held a press conference where they gave a description of Scott's boat and truck. So, okay, obviously they're kind of on to him a bit, yeah. right? So they were just seeing if anybody in the area of the marina that he was in had seen him, had seen anything suspicious, maybe in his boat. They didn't come out and say that, but they were saying, like, they showed a picture of his boat. They showed a picture of his truck with his truck towing his boat, <laughs> saying, basically, if you've seen this boat or truck... In those days, please let us know. Yeah. Scott had supplied the police with a receipt of his parking payment from the marina, which puts him at the marina. So, for sure, he was at the marina that day. Which, okay, obviously, if Lacey went missing at home, then he how could he have had anything to do with it? Yeah. But this comes back, I think, to, to bite him a little harder than he thought it would. So, and the reward was beefed up to $100,000 for any information leading to the whereabouts of Lacey. On January 24th, the police announced that they would be holding a press conference, but they didn't state what it would entail. Officer Doug Rydenor led the press conference, and as he stepped away, in walked a slim, blonde woman who walked up to the podium and was visibly shaking. Her name was Amber Fry. And she announced that her and Scott Peterson had been romantically involved over the course of his wife's mysterious disappearance. This shocked everybody, including Lacey's family, the media, and the public. Piece of fucking shit. Can I knew it. Imagine... That's Nancy Grace is like, I knew he had a girlfriend. I was waiting for her to come I out remember, the I remember. I remember that, like, vividly. Like, I remember watching all of this unfold. It's crazy when you watch it unfold. And again, it's like, okay, if you really had just had an affair and this was completely unrelated like that they that always happen. say that, that i know happen, but they know? always say that i mean like, as soon as that comes forth like you fucking did it yeah in november of 2002 amber was introduced to scott through a mutual friend and this mutual friend didn't actually know him very well it was someone well, that clearly he, yeah <laughs> someone that he met at a conference like not long before and she was told, I think he was probably trying to flirt with her at the conference and she was probably like married or something. And then he was like single and he told her he was single. wonder if it was a fertilizer conference. Like, I guess. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so 
as soon as they were introduced, they instantly took to one another because, again, she didn't think he was a married man. Well, and he was quite handsome. Like, yeah. he was, like, Ben Affleck handsome, really. Like, he was pretty handsome. I don't think Ben Affleck's handsome, but well, I, I also know, don't think Scott Peterson is. Do. I know, because I, I probably, because I know that he did this, but anyway... Amber was nice. Like, yeah. She was a really nice girl. She seems girl. like a nice girl. She's an RMT and had a young daughter, I think 15 months old. Yeah. And they met each other and they talked and went on hikes and phone calls. And she actually took him to her work Christmas party. And she had no idea that he was married. But the friend that introduced them found out that he was married and told Scott that he must come clean to Amber or she would. So on December 9th, Scott has what Amber would recall as a heart-wrenching talk with her about, okay, this part really gets me. This is December 9th, okay? Lacey so Lacey goes missing on the 24th. Fourth, yeah. So he has a talk with Amber, a very serious talk where he cries, telling her that his wife, had actually passed away not long before he met her. And this would be his first holiday season without his wife because she died. But as we know, Lacey was alive and well at home, pregnant with Connor. Like, what the fuck? Probably watching Martha Stewart waiting for her husband to come home. Piece of shit. He was... So Scott also told Amber that he would be embarking on this European vacation over the holidays. (laughs) It's like, for me, that screams premeditation because it's almost like, like, I'm going to be busy because my wife's going to be missing. (laughs) I'm going to murder her. Yeah. And so I'm not going to have time to hang out with you. Like, why else would he have to have this? Well, I guess like he would have to do stuff with with Lacey's family also because he is married to her. Exactly. So he, again, premeditatedly, he's just like, he's just such a narcissist. He's like a very, very manipulative. He's a pathological liar. Yes, yes. Anyway, he said he would be on in Europe, but he was actually just in Modesto with a missing pregnant wife, which this, again, is really, you you know, in the beginning, you're like, why is he? I understand he doesn't want to be on the camera because who wants to be on the camera? I get it. But really, it started to make sense. Okay, he doesn't want his girlfriend that lives a couple towns over to see him on the news. Well, and I don't think, like, as much as he contemplated everything, I don't think he thought this was going to be, like worldwide news no so the fact that there were cameras in his face all the time and if you look at some of the old footage he's just sideways like avoiding Mm -hmm. being in the picture yeah that's what i mean it's literally he's just avoidant like he just it's like oh he gets like nervous when the camera's around but it wasn't nervous because i'm just shy of a camera and and i'm sad my wife's missing it was like he was really trying to just not be on the camera because he didn't want people to see him so eventually because she didn't live that far away like she she literally i think lived like an hour away from him so someone reached out to her and was like hey isn't this your boyfriend like it's the new guy you're dating yeah because you have to remember she he was just balls to the wall fucking going to christmas parties with her and out with her friends and so someone saw him on tv and Amber caught wind of the fact that Scott had been subject to a large media frenzy where his wife was at the center of a missing case, like a missing person case, and she was eight months pregnant. And so without letting Scott know that she knew, she contacted the police and started recording all the calls between them, which I would do the same thing. So would I. Shows that she has integrity and, I mean, she was a victim in all of this as well. Yeah, just as much, right? Like, I mean, she had no idea. 
So the night of the candlelight vigil that we talked about on New Year's Eve, we have a voicemail we're going to play. Not a voicemail, a recording of a call between them where Scott, the pathological liar who's in Europe, is at the Eiffel Tower. But we know that he was actually at the candlelight vigil. So. Baby? that's enough of it because really you hear him say i'm at the eiffel tower there were so many cool fireworks and it's so busy here and he's acting so giddy and like oh amber oh baby oh, baby. baby can you hear me <laughs> meanwhile he's at his wife's fucking candlelight vigil yeah because she's missing pregnant with his son so oh, let's just say that he didn't have anything to do with it <laughs> okay just kidding but what a fucking piece of shit because even if he didn't, you're doing this while your wife, if your wife is really just was taken away by someone and you're, she's pregnant and with your son and missing and, but you're just carrying on your affair, baby, can you hear me? Okay. She was so annoyed because you can, because obviously she he, knew at that yeah, point, but, but he didn't know she knew and yeah. she's just trying to be, play the part and that, good for her. Yeah. At that time, remember now she had done this press conference and unbeknownst to him, he, he didn't know anything until he no. saw her walk into the press conference, which is like fucking high five. Right? Yeah. So he actually called her right after he saw her on the press conference and was like said that he was so proud of her for coming forward. And he even let her know that he threw up. He had to pull over and throw up because he was like so overwhelmed. It's like, okay, you probably... Shouldn't have admitted that because that's probably because you are th throwing up because you're so sick because you know you're about to be caught for your wife's and son's murder because you have a fucking mistress. And so, like, he was avoiding uh, the media up until this point, but he really had no choice but no. to counteract what was going on with the whole Amber Fry thing. So he, he started doing interviews. A bunch of them. Yeah. He did interviews with local reporters such as Gloria Gomez for CBS Sacramento, where he stated that he was open with police about his relationship with Amber, which... <laughs> yeah, like, no, you weren't. And you don't think the police were there for the fucking interview listening to what you're saying? They yeah. asked you, how is your marriage? Oh, it's great. There's no reason why my wife would leave. Oh, you don't think your mistress would be a big, huge, like, because if Lacey did find out about that, 
and then she left don't you think you'd be like oh my god my wife found you know if you really just yeah. had an affair i mean that would be a reason for her to leave exactly not no i don't know what's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah and then he also another one of our faves did an interview with diane sawyer where he seemed really solemn and he stated that he was... I don't like her since she slut-shamed Britney. Yeah, no, true. Me neither. But anyway, she used to be one of our favorites, Diane yeah. Sawyer, but she's not anywhere near Nancy Grace level. That's no, for fucking that's sure. that's for sure. Wouldn't fall, to, wouldn't fall asleep to her ever. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually told Diane Sawyer that he was honest with Lacey about Amber and the affair he was having. And Lacey was actually totally okay with it and that he respects Amber, but he didn't love Amber. He was really in love with Lacey. So, <laughs> Diane Sawyer's like, so you mean to tell me that you're, you know what, again, I'm going to just play this because it doesn't do justice unless you hear it. What question you should have an answer to? Definitely not. I don't know. Were you in love with her? No. I'd have to say that I respect her, and as I imagine everyone does after seeing her come out and do the press conference. An amazing character she has. Was this the first time? Are there others out there? No. There's no one else who can come forward? No. You know, our romantic relationship. And that is a... It, it's inappropriate. It, it was inappropriate. And I owe a tremendous uh, apology to, to everyone. Obviously, in, including Amber and her family and her friends and, and our families. Uh, it should have been... It should have been brought forth by me immediately, the, the romantic relationship. Had you told anyone? Did you tell police? Told the police immediately. When? That was uh, the first night we were together. Uh, the police, I spent um, with the police. You told them about her? Yeah, from December 24th on. Did your wife find out about it? I told my wife. When? In um, early December. Did it cause a rupture in the marriage? It was not um, a positive, obviously, it's a, you know, inappropriate, um, but it was not something that we weren't um, dealing with. A lot of arguing? No. No. Um, I, I, you know, I can't say that, that even, you know, she was okay with the idea, but uh, it wasn't anything that would break us apart. There wasn't a lot of anger? No. Do you really expect people to believe that an eight-and-a-half-month pregnant woman learns her husband has had an affair and is saintly and casual about it, accommodating, makes a peace with it? Well, I'm, yeah, I, you don't know. No one knows our relationship but us. And now no one knows your relationship but you because you fucking murdered her. He's... You can just tell, like, just by listening to that interview, like, he didn't even prep for it. He was such a fucking liar that he was just like, so, yeah, well, and I told you. You're going to do an interview with Diane Sawyer and not fucking think that she's going to ask you yeah. all the major questions. And everybody that knew Lacey, all her family, friends were like, there's no way she would have been okay with that. There's no fucking way she would have been like, oh, okay, well, not even to argue. He said, no, 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 no. there was no argues. Yeah, because it never deal. happened. She didn't know. And I bet my, I mean, okay, our, my expert opinion is that she did find out, confronted him, and that's how he, why he murdered her. I think that's what generally happens in situations like this. Yeah. I think that that's what's coming out in the one we're currently 
You watching. mean lion cunt? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sorry, iron hunt. hunt. I do. Sorry about that. I really do think slip that's of the tongue come out. <laughs> so it actually also came out that two days after Lacey had gone missing. So two days. So what is this Boxing Day? Oh, he... there's probably a sale. Okay. Well, he subscribed to two pornographic channels that were like to stay on his. Like, you know your wife is not coming home. It's one yeah, thing if you're married not... to someone that's into porn. Yeah. But you probably would have already had that subscribed to because your wife would let you have that before. But if you wait until your wife's missing for two days, and that's when you subscribe to the weird pornographic channels. And they also found a bunch of weird porn on his computer when they searched, when they did the search warrant. He was really, had quite a bit of bestiality porn. Ugh. And he How did had... you get off on animal fucking somebody that's disgusting this guy just gets worse and worse and he also had um propositioned someone else that they came up with in november her and her friend at the same time well he even lied in the interview saying he's never had an affair even though Lacey was aware and probably honestly she even had friends that were aware of it you know like because it was when they were pretty newly together so yeah he was basically a sexual deviant and a pathological person and and a manipulative psychopath and On April 13th, 2003, a couple walking their dog, which, don't walk your dog ever again, because this is almost every episode. Walter, cover your ears. Yeah. Found uh, the body of a fully developed fetus that had washed ashore about two kilometers north of Brooks Island. The fetus still had its umbilical cord attached. Oh, so sad. Just the next day, about three kilometers northeast of the first grizzly discovery, a severely decomposed torso was washed ashore. It was missing the head, hands, and feet, as well as the lower part of one of the legs. Almost all the major organs were gone, leaving mostly skeletal remains. The only internal organ that was still attached was the uterus, which had an opening at the top, most likely due to just tidal action and, you know, being in the water for so long. Because this is April. You have to think she went missing in December. So, obviously... At this time, they didn't know for sure it was Lacey, but come on, like a fetus is found just yeah. kilometers away from that of a of a woman with... Right in the area that he went fishing. Yeah, so, I mean, also the medical examiner said that the fetus's decomposition was far less than the mother, which told the medical examiner that the fetus was probably inside the mother's womb until just days before the discovery of the bodies. Aww. So, a cool fact, kind of, is that the uterus actually protects anything in there it can withstand a lot more than any of your other organs and that is so that it can protect a baby that's inside there it's the protective biology of your body it's so beautiful really and then that motherfucker just murdered them yeah so on april 18th before police had confirmation that the two bodies had been identified again obviously it's obvious it's Okay, you went fishing in the fucking, in, at Berkeley, which is where, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and that's where your dead wife and son washed ashore. Like, okay. So, before they had confirmation, the police tailed Scott to the Torrey Pines Golf Course in San Diego, where they arrested him after he was driving erratically, and he even fingered them, because he said that he thought that they were the press. So, by this time now, he's being hounded by the press. 
I, yeah, I remember this clearly. Like, I remember all of it. And he was. Like, there was new stuff, especially on, like, <laughs> Nancy Grace mm-hmm. and, like, Geraldo and all that. That was, like, yeah, they were definitely hounding him, putting the pressure on for sure. Well, when he was arrested, uh, Scott had actually dyed his hair. He grew a new beard, and they were both like some weird blondish color. It was like the old, um, it looked exactly like he had used sun in. Yeah, like lemon. He just squeezed lemon into yeah, his fucking sun beard. In. So he had $15,000 cash, 12 Viagra pills, which <laughs> I don't know, all of his shoes and clothes. Uh, he had some of his fam- family members' IDs. So they obviously looked like him, his brother. His brother, yeah. He had survival gear and camping equipment. And he also had a map quest. Remember when you used to go somewhere and you'd print up? This wasn't even that long ago. I'm pretty sure I did this in like 2014. You'd like print off a, a map if, of the place you were trying to go before you left. And this one was actually leading to Amber Fry's workplace. So I don't know if he was planning to like kidnap, ki- her. kidnap her and rape her with these 12 fucking Viagra pills and... You know, I don't know, but like... That's scary for her. Yeah. And so the reason that they actually arrested him is because the golf course was really close to the Mexican border and they didn't want him to... They were to... pretty sure he was going to run. Yeah. And I mean, look he at He probably the... fucking yeah. was. All, Somewhere to have all an orgy. signs point to yes. <laughs> A fucking outdoor orgy with all his shoes on. I guess he didn't really know that you can buy Viagra just anywhere yeah. in Mexico. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to save you some money, probably. Nose candy, good weed. <laughs> Dick pills. Yeah. So on April 21st was Scott's arraignment where he was charged with two counts of felony murder with premeditation and special circumstances where he obviously, because he's got to keep up the facade, he pled not guilty. So the trial began on June 1st, 2004 and lasted for six months. Jesus. Yeah. There were multiple issues with jurors and even some jurors were excused and replaced (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. So despite these issues, on November the 12th, 2004, uh, Scott Peterson was convicted for the first-degree murder of Lacey and the second-degree murder of Connor, and Judge Alfred DeLucci sentenced Scott Peterson to death. Yes. So Scott arrived at the San Quentin death row on March 17, 2005, and over the years, we see this a lot. He drew a lot of supporters and horny weirdos that were, like, wanting to be in a relationship with him and pen pals. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too, because people were like, he's innocent. His family is all... They're still on it. Oh, yeah. They're still on it. I mean, his mom has passed away now. A lot of people on Lacey's family have passed away, too, but... So, did you see... Like, so recently, in 2020, um, his death penalty was overturned. Yeah, well, in July of 2012, his automatic appeal was filed where they stated that he had an unfair trial and that it was mostly circumstantial evidence, which it was. Yeah. They only had those hairs, like the pliers, the ones with um, Lacey's hair on it. That's all they had on his boat. So it was a pair of pliers. Didn't they have bags of cement or They did, but he didn't because the bodies weren't found attached to the cement blocks. And he said that he did some yard work and he made some, he patched a hole. And I remember Nancy Grace was like, oh, I'm so sure you put dry cement powder on two of it. But then they went there and they actually did. You could tell it was just dry cement powder thrown into this hole. So Nancy was like, but yeah, like you said, August 24th, 2020, the Supreme Court of California upheld his conviction. Yeah. 
but they overturned his death sentence due to the fact that the original trial judge, um, what's his Delucci. name? Delucci. Yeah. He actually passed away, but when he was interviewing everyone for the jury, like doing jury selection, he made sure that the people, like, if you didn't agree with the death penalty, he didn't let, let you on the jury, which so he, I think yeah. is a, probably <laughs> a violation of Scott's rights, which... He didn't really, shouldn't have had any, but he still did. Exactly. His death penalty was overturned, and I just saw this program, like, last week or the week before on Dateline. And you know what galls me? What is, galls you, Mom? <laughs> is his sister-in-law. Ugh. So his brother's wife. Where's his brother that she's married to? I don't fucking know, but when she introduces herself in the Dateline episode, she make sure like she's so manipulative she has this whole wall of like serial killer shit and evidence what are you on, saying like... about people with serial killer walls oh, no. <laughs> no but like she has like this whole timeline of the whole crime and like all these different theories that she's like and this happened and everything on this wall is the truth and she's still on and on about the burglary across the street and then she actually introduces herself at the very beginning of the episode as I'm Scott and Lacey's sister-in-law. Ugh. So, you don't have the right to call yourself Lacey's sister-in-law to get sympathy from people that are watching. Like, it does gall me. Like, Yeah, that fucking galls me too. (laughs) But Scott is still on death row at San Quentin, but he's just not going to die. But he still remains on death row. Well, they haven't killed anyone in California since 2006. So Yeah, and so he is actually seeking a new, a full new trial. Oh my God, that makes me want to barf. So Lacey and Connor are actually buried side by side and they have a beautiful headstone at the Burwood Cemetery that's located in California and they are and actually um Ron Gransky actually passed away her stepdad and he is buried beside them as well. Oh. Yeah. So and I mean obviously it would be nice to see them alive and he would be like 18 years old. Obviously is what we wish would have happened but there was justice in this, and I mean, obviously, if Scott's going to have a new trial and all that stuff, I'm hoping that the same outcome just happens, and they see, like, okay, obviously, people have had 20 years to fucking sit on this, basically, and so we know this motherfucker is guilty. Like, if not more, there's been so many specials and so many things, yeah, okay, saying that maybe they didn't have a lot of evidence, physical evidence, but the circumstantial evidence, to me, is enough to convict him in this, I think. What do you think? Like, I don't think there's going to be a new trial myself. I don't think so either. I hope not. I think he should just sit on a rusty nail and rotate. <laughs> With his two buttholes from his vaccination. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully he didn't get vaccinated, but he probably got vaccinated before everyone else. Probably. Sad story, but... Moral of the story is don't kill your wife because people will notice, especially if she's pregnant. Just don't fuck around. And then if you want to fuck around, just don't get married. Yeah. You really, nobody forces you to do any of that shit. And you know what the best part is? Men are the ones that usually ask their wives, the the fiancés, to be their fiancé to marry them in the first place. Yeah. So eventually, initially I heard that they both said that they didn't want kids and you see that that happens. But then, like, obviously she was like, no, you know, I, I want to. Because you grow up and you realize and you fall more in love and you become more maternal and blah, 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 blah. And but what's he... that called, too, when you kill your pregnant wife? Can paternicide? Being a cocksucker? No, it's called, there's a name for it. But it actually happens quite often when 
The man doesn't feel that they have any control over the situation. Pat, oh no, pa patricide, patricide is the killing of oh. one's father. So not that, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's probably a fucking word for it. There is. Well, but maybe we'll have it next week. Yeah. <laughs> or the week after. Yeah. So, but so, yeah. So, that's so a, yeah, that's a pretty depressing case, but. But that one really, really took the world by storm. Like, it was very, very, very well covered. And that motherfucker hid from the cameras for, like, the first month that she was missing. Until he had to come out of the woodworks to be like, okay, yeah, 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 I cheated on her, I cheated on her. But she I, knew, she knew about it. My head is spinning because I try to think about all the people that were so fooled by him and that were taken completely by surprise. Like, Well, her poor family. Lacey's family, but also imagine Amber Fry. Mm -hmm. She wrote a book called The Witness. Okay, well, I want to read Me it. Me too. Because, like, just imagine that you were intimate with someone that had just murdered their wife. Well, and or you were that was still planning. intimate with it. Yeah. Because you were still intimate with him because she didn't catch wind of this happening until a couple weeks, like a week or two after she went, like, she went missing. But he was in Europe, so I don't know. If yeah, the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. So that was episode 20. Episode 20, the murder of Lacey Peterson and Connor, Connor Peterson. Peterson. Poor little baby. Never even got a chance to be. Yeah, it's really depressing. Yep. So, <laughs> so I feel like the wind is kind of sucked out of our Well, yeah, because it's fucking sad. And you know what? Again, that makes me think of what we talked about in the beginning with all those little babies. And it's like, I really hope with that case, I mean, yes, it's been, uh, it was what? Honestly, the last residential school closed in like the late 90s. So that wasn't even that fucking long ago. No, like no. I am older than the last time a residential school was open, which really fucking gulls me. Yeah. We're Irks pretty gulled. Me. We're gulled today. So there's gold. that. What? Gold. So you're just saying the words and you don't even know what they are? You're well, the one we have a Canadian accent. Oh. Anyway. We do? Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway, we really hope that, you know, there's a lot of justice in that because, again, it's never too late for reconciliation. I mean, I, I think it is fucking obviously too late because... You know, but anyway, I don't know. I'm just trying to, you know me, we're trying to spin a positive. With, yeah, we're speaking out of emotion right now, too, because it was such a terrible, terrible discovery, and it's still really fresh in everyone's mind, and hopefully it will stay fresh so that it's never repeated again. Exactly. And for Ian Hunt, we're coming for you. We're just waiting. We're waiting. Ian Hunt until the day I wish we had comes. the death penalty here. Yeah, me too. I'm waiting till the day comes when Because it's I one can... thing. It's one thing when you murder your wife, but when you spin this whole backstory to yeah. be like, oh, we were doing a digital detox and da 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 and you're answering text messages for her and you're like, no, nuh-uh. No, I, uh, the day's going to come and we're going to do Trina justice by covering this story and bringing everything out about Lion Cunt. <laughs> Ian Hunt. I mean Ian Hunt. Sorry, that's a fuck. They slip of the tongue today. Jeez Louise. I know. So it's going to happen. Everybody just mark our words. And you know what? I hope that we get an update for you guys by the next episode and I hope that we're able to say that he's been arrested or someone's been arrested. This uh, ominous... Yeah, maybe it was a kidnapping that just happened to take her to the same place that he was with her that weekend maybe they just set him up maybe maybe he's being framed and if he was framed i'll apologize to him right on this but i'll podcast. still call him lion cunt because yeah. he was having a lot of affairs and 
I mean, this is all hearsay. Yeah, but fuck. We're not liable for anything we're no, saying. No, we're not. It's free speech and exactly. Welcome to Canada. Yeah. But you know what? Fuck Canada at the same time because, <laughs> you know what? I don't like that. I don't like what they were involved in and... Yeah. Yeah. I think the church needs to come out. You know, I'm going back and forth on these two <laughs> topics, but they really fucking gull me. So... Yeah. Until next time, you come back and listen to me talk murder with my mother and both get really gulled, uh, gulled about stuff, which I'm going to look up the definition of that because it's G-A-L-L. Yeah, gall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not G-U-L-L. Like a seagull? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everybody. We're going to go drink some milk. And <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I can't drink milk. I'll get heartburn. Oh. Anyway, so we hope that you give us another chance in <laughs> two more weeks. Yes. Episode 21, we are coming at you in two more weeks. So, And I'm going to start thinking about what it's going to be about right now. So I'm totally wide open right now. If anyone wants to send me some suggestions on our Instagram page, it's at Murder With My Mother podcast on Instagram. You can DM me and let me know if you have any ideas and maybe I'll choose one listener's idea. Yeah. And actually we wanted to give a big shout out to some of our listeners that we have that listen to all of our episodes. So I'm going to name four people. So mom, you go first. I would like to do a shout out to Brent BLB. Yep. Brent. There's Chantel. Hi, Chantel. We Hi, love Chant. you. We try to make it a little longer so it can last for your eyelash appointment. Yeah, request. Um, James, love you. He's always coming at me with the uh, with the podcast suggestions. So I have a couple that I've added to the list because of him. He just told me the other day he likes to uh, look up the profiles of their dating things on in jail and then Google the crime. So yeah, I've shout out to done James. That myself. Good one, James. Yep. And I said four, but I think that's just all three. <laughs> Hopefully we didn't forget anyone and no. just gulled waiting. For yeah, us, God. So. <laughs> so word of the word of the week is gold. So yeah. and fucking gold. cocksuckers that kill their wives. Yeah. We hate you. So Yes, yeah, so everyone take care, stay safe. Hopefully we will be dining with you soon with no masks on and driving you around in limos and handy darts and everywhere. And just enjoying life. Yeah. So until next time, this has been Danica and Christy talking murder with my mother, Christy, who just always already <laughs> introduced herself. Okay, bye guys. Bye.